let me welcome you to um, Religion Unplugged. And for the people listening, I'm talking with Alexei Lidov, who is a professor and the director of the Center for World Culture at Moscow State University, the author of some 20 books, and also the creator of the term hierotopy, which is a term defining the creation of sacred spaces as an art form. How did I do, Alexei? <laughs> More or less okay with, uh, uh, I'm head of the Department of Ancient Culture in the Institute for World Culture, uh, Lomonosov Moscow State University. And uh, sorry to say, I'm uh, uh, the author of, uh, as a matter of fact, it's 32. 32, uh, okay. I'm going to remember that for next time. And are you writing on your uh, 30, 33rd book at the moment? Yes, I'm working on the big book. Uh, it's called uh, Hierotopy of uh, Air and Heaven in the Christian Culture. And it's the final book in the series dedicated to the different elements of the world as a means of hierotopic activity. We read books on uh, hierotopy of light and fire, hierotopy of, of the holy water, and the, the last one we published is yes. about the hierotopy of the holy mountain. The holy mountains is the topic for the earth as an element of the world. And now we came to the last one about air and heavens. So I'm working now on this big collection, including my own papers, but also excellent papers by outstanding uh, scholars from different countries. Half of them are Russian scholars, another half from the States, from Western Europe, from from other countries too. And I got to be there for part of it. So let's, let's, let's move to, I, I want to talk to you about what's happening in Russia now in the, in the Orthodox Church. You sent me uh, the uh, links to the, uh, the new military church that has been built yeah. in Russia. And it was to open in honor of the victory over Europe in World War II, in which Russia lost 20 plus million people if I if I've got that right, the the greatest number of people who died in World War II were Russians. It started a controversy, and if I understood you correctly, when we talked a few weeks ago, that controversy either revealed or or perhaps uh, uncovered or maybe even created in some cases some um, some deep fissures and divisions within the Orthodox Church in Russia that that weren't there before. And, and that has an impact on the country as a whole. So tell us about the military church and the um, controversy over the military church. Okay, uh, okay now is I published, published my English article about this church, but what I would like to say something new, because recently uh, I got the information that the official opening of this church will be on uh, 22nd of June 
And the 22nd of June is also a very important day for, for Russian history because it's the day of the beginning of uh, the so-called the Great Patriotic War. So it was the date when the German armies attacked Russia on the 22nd of June, 41. Ah. So they also use this historical day for the opening and for the consecration and this church. And I guess the leaders of the country will be there. Certainly the Minister of Defense, Sergei Shaigu, but most probably Putin himself too. And of course the patriarchs. So it will be very, very official. But really the opinions about this project in general became a topic of great controversy, not between uh, religious people and atheistic liberals. Uh, it's in a way very normal. And so they have disagreement uh, probably on all points. But in, in Russia, in this case, it was a big controversy inside the, the Orthodox community because a lot of Orthodox people did not accept the concept, and even more, uh, including myself, even more, they uh, made a very clear statement that this church is not is not Orthodox. So it's, it's Russian Orthodox formally, but as a matter of fact, they created a church of new religion, which is not uh, Byzantine Russian Orthodox. Religion of glorification of superpower, the empire, empire in, in very broad sense. And the most interesting and provocative point, uh, which actually was the, the central point of disagreement, was the idea to combine in this church um, Soviet symbolism related to the war topic and uh, Russian orthodoxy as a religion. So to make this very political mix of Soviet values and religious orthodox values. For people who may not have read your article, or those who did and need to have their memories refreshed, what was some of the symbolism in the church that contributed to the controversy? I understand. For example, they used for the decoration the Soviet ordens or medals with communist symbols, symbols naturally, next to the crosses. But the explanation was that it was a uh, historical award of the Second World War for the so-called Red Army. Because the Soviet Army, as you probably know, at that time was called the Red Army. Yes. So even means communist army. Yes. All awards at that time had this communist symbolic. And they decided to include these symbols in the church as a historical memory about the victory over fascism. Also, it was a really a big scandal around the image of Stalin, which appeared in some mosaics. 
uh, after this scandal and very serious protest of the leaders of the Russian Orthodox community, including, by the way, uh, some some bishops. So uh, they decided not to put this mosaic in the church. It was a mosaic, a huge mosaic with a parade, victory parade, in 1945 on the Red Square. Very solemn event. It happened, by the way, uh, on uh, June 24 of uh, 1945, while most of them awarded the most important medal of the war called the Hero of the Soviet Union. So these heroes of the Soviet Union put to Lenin's mausoleum uh, the flags and banners of of the fascist Germany, many of them. And then they made, they made a, a fire, a symbolic fire of these, you know, flags and banners. So it was a, well, it was a great performance, by the way, a great performance for the world, because in this parade, uh, a big group of uh, Americans participated at that time, close allies of the Soviet Union, a big group of uh, American generals and officers were in presence on the Red Square in these days. Uh, coming back to the uh, actual mosaic, which had to be presented in the church, but it was cancelled, and was a I mean, huge mosaic with a lot of, with a big group of Soviet generals with all the bars on the front, and behind a big banner with the image of Stalin. And it was, it could be the first case, very first case, when uh, Stalin image would appear officially in the one of the main churches of the country. So also it is presented in the context of Glorification yeah. with uh, direct indication that he was uh, the leader of leaders. He was behind all these victorious generals on the Red Square. Yeah. And Stalin, by the way, in reality, in historical reality, was standing on the Lenin's mausoleum during the parade. He was uh, officially the conductors of the parade were two leading generals of the Second World War, quite famous people, uh, uh, Marshal Vukov and Rakasovsky, two most famous uh, Soviet generals of the war. But Stalin did not participate in the performance directly, but he was standing and looking from above Sort of like God. The, yeah, exactly. God he was father. like a, an idol and <laughs> semi-god, at least. Yeah. So, and in the same context, he was represented in this new mosaic as, a, as an icon. And the arguments of the iconographers were that you know, it is a historical fact that the huge banners with 
Stalin's picture were on the square that day and so on. But it was not very convincing for many people because it was not the historical uh, detail, but a form of glorification and something which could be example for future. Uh, so it was a kind of official permission of representation of Stalin practically in any Orthodox church where the local powers would decide to make it. Saying, okay, in the main military church uh, of the country, he is represented and glorified. Why we are not able to do the same? It, it was quite, quite a principal matter. A big group of uh, Orthodox people of different wings, I would say, as in any huge church, and Russian Orthodox church is really huge, several millions of people, there are different wings. Uh, but at this point, all wings uh, coincided. Some very right-wing people, so-called fundamentalists, had a serious disagreement. But it's also interesting that in contemporary Russia, uh, this right wing is also heavily separated on that particular point, the point how to consider the Soviet period. Right. And it's, it's, it's really very important for understanding of the contemporary situation in Russia. Because the power and a kind of official ideology trying to suggest that it was a, his, a single history of the great empire. There was the great Russian empire before the revolution, then the, the revolution, which they claim to be the most important event in the 20th century, which is probably true, I mean, the Great Russian Revolution and what happened afterward. But their ideology says, okay, the, the power radically changed. This religious state, uh, when the, the orthodoxy was an official religion, uh, failed. And there were repression against the Russian Orthodox Church. But the more important thing, the idea of empire, powerful world empire survived. And this empire had great achievements. Of course, there were some obvious crimes and execution of some millions of people and many other criminal affairs of the government. But it is not so important. It's secondary to the idea of the great form of Soviet Union became the superpower in the world. Let me make sure that it's clear to people who are listening that this opinion is held by people who are in the right wing of the Orthodox Church. I am telling about an official ideology, okay. which is now is trying to adopt the whole Soviet period in general as a natural and integral part of Russian 
imperial history. Ah. And, and close eyes to all these uh, horrible uh, crimes which happened uh, during this period. And even on the point that it was the period of the atheism and the repressions against the Orthodox Church. They're saying, official power saying now that it was a mistake, it was uh, not correct and so, but it might be forgiven because Stalin finally in 1943 restored it practically from nothing the Russian Orthodox Church and created, by the way, it's a very interesting point, maybe uh, not many people in, in the state are informed about that Stalin restored, now it's clear from the document, this, that Stalin restored uh, the Russian Orthodox Church and, and, and as an official uh, institution and structure, and even he demanded to, to collect from the concentration camps the bishops who survived to that moment, many were executed. But he, for, to organize a council and to elect a new patriarch, uh, he needed a reasonable group of bishops. But most of them, with some exceptions, were uh, murdered at that moment or in the concentration camps. And it was a, and it was during the war in 1943 that uh, special um, KGB agent <laughs> at that time they had another name, but it doesn't matter. I mean, uh, special um, secret service people were sent to concentration camp to find and to collect this bishop who who did not die to to. To, to that moment. And practically, they, uh, most of them were saved for unescapable death. But why it happened? What, it's interesting it because it was, a, it was a huge American impact on Stalin. Uh, and uh, maybe the, one of the most important American impact in, in, in Russian history. Because uh, he did it after the influence and a special uh, demand from Roosevelt, uh, who wrote to Stalin that he is trying, Roosevelt is trying to convince American Congress to provide more uh, help for, for Russia, and uh, first of all, <clears throat> to provide more, more arms and uh, products and so on, which in connection with so-called land lease. But uh, Roosevelt wrote uh, there are several Congress against this in increasing help from the state to the fight in uh, Russia or to the fight in Soviet Union because they claim that Soviet Union is an atheistic state destroying the church. Hmm. And it was true, but it was the reason not to provide more help. Interesting. Stalin decided under the, after this letter that this help from the state is much more important than the restoration of the Russian Orthodox Church. And he actually organized it as a special campaign 
in few weeks, he had a special meeting with few hierarchs who survived to that moment, who they could find in Moscow, three of them. And then uh, he said that I need to, to restore the church, to elect a new patriarch, to demonstrate to the whole world, and first of all to the United States, that uh, Russian Christian Orthodox Church exists, and even supported by the state. Uh, and at that moment, these people uh, told him that they are ready to make a council and to elect a new patriarch, but formally, canonically, uh, any patriarch should be elected by a council. But we don't have enough bishops because most of them is killed or in the concentration camp. He said, and Stalin in his style said, what's the problem? So, well, we will find, well, as many as you like. So, several lives were certainly saved. And thanks to to Roosevelt and American Congress who actually helped in this matter. Wow. So, but of course, uh, of course, the church was under big control. But anyhow, coming back to this uh, right wing of the contemporary Russian Orthodox Church, Mm, and this right wing is split on this point. There are two big groups. One is saying that this period after 1917 was a period of Bolshevik terror, and actually when the bandits got the power violently after the revolution, or better to say revolt, practically after two revolts, in February and October of 1917. So, uh, and the whole Soviet period is just a black page in history of Orthodox Russia. We should recognize historically and some achievements, but we should understand that it was a period of terror, repression, failure of main spiritual values, and you know, uh, dominant anti-Christian ideology as as communist was. This is one group, quite serious and big. And there is another group to adopt the Soviet period in history with Stalin as a great hero of Huh. Even even with some ideas, some ideas quite popular, in particular circles uh, that Stalin was a, a Christian, and even a he, yes, yes, crypto Christian, oh. Oh. <laughs> secret Christian, yeah, very, uh, very secret. Remembering uh, remembering his uh, personal biography because. Stalin was a student of uh, Tiflis, now Dmitry Seminary, for some years, and he had to become a priest. He was, by the way, very well informed about orthodoxy in general, and um, including uh, some elements of the Byzantine tradition. When he was quite informed about orthodoxy and the Orthodox Church and and Christianity and so on. 
So we were talking, you were talking about the division within the right wing of the Russian Orthodox Church over how to look at the Soviet period. One group says yeah. it was a dark period. It, you know, it, it, uh, it needs to be acknowledged as that. Um, it was very bad for the church um, and it was a bad period and we move on. The other group wants to say, no, it was, yes, there were some mistakes. Um, there was some harm to the church, but the big thing is it was a great empire and it continued the glory of Russia. So we should look at it in a positive light. And some even want to say that Stalin was a crypto Christian, a secret Christian. Have I got that right? Yeah, but uh, of course it's not very serious, you know, opinion, but there is a uh, kind of cargo cult of of Stalin in some in some groups. Oh my uh, god! Officially, yeah, yeah, officially not recognized, but even they they're making the icons with Stalin in very traditional way, oh and my god. Uh, yes, and uh, and saying that that the miracle of Russian victory. Uh, in the Great Patriotic War was a result of, of Stalin's new conversion into Christianity, oh. his oh. prayer, oh. Uh, his meetings with some Russian saints, secret <laughs> meetings, no oh. documents. And even uh, there is a legend that Stalin organized, I mean, in these groups, uh, and quite popular legend that um, Stalin organized to make a special flight with uh, miraculous icons on military planes to make these flights around Moscow. Oh my! And God. therefore, and therefore, Moscow was saved in uh, 1941 because of this uh, miraculous defense of some. Uh, Icons of the Virgin. So, uh, well, so there are several legends around this. Not official, I would stress it. Not official, um, Stalin's cult, and and therefore this topic about the appearance of Stalin's portrait in a, in one of the biggest and most expensive churches of Russia could be a, a big support and example for the yes. people. Yes. And to continue. But fortunately, by our efforts, it was stopped. But the main point is that the, the result, the obvious result, the church in general, is a very interesting monument, by the way. And I may predict that it will be an attraction for future tourists. But also interesting that this church uh, not just trying to combine uh, Soviet and communist symbolism with Christian Orthodox, but also in some mosaics and in some composition, the artists try to imitate some Buddhist patterns. Oh my gosh! Uh, yes. <laughs> and, and, and it's also amazing. And, and, and Probably you may guess why. Why? Because uh, the main 
sponsor or donator of this church was the Minister of Defense, Sergei Shaigu. He claimed to be a Christian, but originally, as all people of his tribe from Tiva, they are Buddhists. They are oh. pagans and Buddhists. But probably uh, this, you know, uh, Buddhist flavor in this Orthodox Church appeared as a result of uh, of the origin of this, <laughs> you know, oh, main focal. Is that from the far east of Russia? Was he from the uh, east? Why it's in Siberia. Okay. It's one of the region of Siberia close to China. Interesting. It's very beautiful area, wonderful, uh, most interesting nature, and uh, very interesting local religions. And this part became very late part of the Soviet Union. Many, many, many local traditions survived. This uh, Minister of Defense, Sergei Shaigu, he is from there. And by the way, it's the favorite place for Putin himself to have rest. Uh, oh, interesting. They're, they're, they're quite, quite often they're going together with Shaigu for hunting and fishing. So Tiva, from this point of view, economically and politically, it's not so important, but through these personal connections of the defense minister, who is actually the second person in the country, according to his power. influence, real influence, and real power. Presumably, he is a very close friend, personal friend of Vladimir Putin. It's also one aspect for the understanding of the meaning and the power of this new church. It really was a kind of state project advertising in all central TV channels under the state control, and as a great achievement. Alexei, you told me a few weeks ago that the left wing of the church also objected, and that that was something new. Yes, I mean, the left wing radically rejected, and very publicly. I was among them because I belong to this so-called left or liberal wing of the Orthodox community. But more important, the most of the professionals, uh, art historians and art critics, uh, uh, leading icon painters, uh, most of them were very, very critical to, to the project from all points of view. Let me clarify something. When you say liberal, do you mean theologically liberal or do you mean politically, culturally liberal? I mean, no, no, I mean not fundamentalist. I mean, open to discussions, to different opinions. Uh, I mean, many, many people from this left wing, they're criticizing Patriarch for his attempt to be, um, to, to play game with the state all the time. Interesting. And to be, uh, per, to be permanent supporter of any actions of Putin. Did the military church reveal um, fissures that were already there? Did it deepen them one time, or did it also bring some surprises? I mean, you told me that you signed 
um, letters or complaints about the church, one from the left and one from one of the groups on the right, um, was there some, I mean, what, what were the surprises that came out of this and what is the end, end result of this controversy for the Russian Orthodox Church? We don't know, but it was a very clear message, especially in uh, unity, unexpected, maybe for the first time, between uh, the left-wing Orthodox people and a part of the right-wing. Yeah. And the general message was people are not ready to accept this new uh, state religion with the ideology of empire and superpower instead of Christ, his uh, sacrifice and resurrection. Uh, by the way, in the decoration of this military church, this topic of Christ's suffering was deliberately uh, reduced to, to, to the minimal size because they wanted to stress only triumphant aspects of Christianity. Oh boy. And, and therefore many people, any people, including myself, they compare it with a pagan temple. Wow. It's, uh, yes, I mean, in general, it's, uh, uh, in practice, formally, officially, it's an Orthodox church, but according to its concept, ideology, and aesthetics, it's uh, a temple of the god Mars, oh, of the god of war, uh, and without any mentioning of uh, Christ's suffering and uh, passions and all these things, and just uh, doing a kind of triumph, it's, it, it looks as a big lie. Yeah, from Christian point of view, and also from historical point of view, and the national memory about the war. Wow. Because the national memory about the war is the memory about the great tragedy. Yeah. Which many people I know who participated in this war, and included my father, who was a very soldier of this war, he did not want to celebrate this victory. Wow. Because uh, he, was a, uh, he was an intelligent person and professor of mathematics after the war, but uh, he remembered it very well that uh, uh, what was the price of, of this victory, and, and, uh, and he did not want to celebrate he did not wear his uh, military medals. He was in a way embarrassed that he is alive and wow. with medals at the same time as many people of his generation, you know, died. So it's really something to remember, but not the, the triumph of the power. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Especially, especially Stalin's power. We need to close. Tell me a little bit about the state of the Russian Orthodox Church in Russia. Is it growing? What's happening? What is the, the, uh, the health of the Russian Orthodox Church right now? 
not very well, I should say. Still, uh, the church is huge and, and powerful, but um, less powerful than before. And now, as uh, you probably know, there is a big, big, a big conflict with another Orthodox Church, so-called Ecumenical Patriarch of Constantinople, because Constantinople recognized uh, independence and gave autokephaly to one of Ukrainian Orthodox Church. Still, there is uh, the biggest and most powerful Ukrainian Orthodox Church, who, which formerly belonged to the Moscow Patriarchate. Uh, but I would stress formally, and the most of Ukrainians belong to this church, formerly named Ukrainian Orthodox Church of the Moscow Patriarchate. So this is the, the, the most powerful church in Ukraine, but uh, the patriarch of Constantinople, Bartholomeus, he gave the autokephaly to another church which was not officially recognized before by other Orthodox Church. So as a result of this was a, not just a big scandal. The Russian Orthodox Church stopped to have Eucharistic communication with Constantinople oh. and oh. some other Greek churches which joined him. So it's a big schism inside the, the world Orthodox at this moment, the Russian Orthodox Church is not so unified and strong as it was, for example, 15 years ago, oh, wow. or even 10 years ago. Wow. The most people supporting uh, the church less and less, they don't believe that they should support the church, which actually... Uh, as rich as the state itself. Oh. So uh, it's not a, a poor, repressed church anymore. It's an official, victorious, and powerful, and uh, united with the state. For many people, it's a clear message that why we should give money, our modest money, to this church if it looks fine and, well, and has no troubles and, well, it means that it's not uh, critical at the moment, but it is quite dangerous trend for future. And uh, moreover, that real believers, the number of real believers, for example, people who are going to the church every Sunday, for example, for different calculation from 3 to 5%. It's not a lot. (laughs) And so the people who really belong and quite active inside the church. So it means that at the moment everything looks okay and quite strong, but for future I don't have optimistic feelings, (laughs) you know. Wow. What is better, to die or to survive in humiliation and to to wait for a better future? Wow.
Wow. I mean, it's not for the Russian Orthodox Church, but for many other other cases as well. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Alexei, I think we need to close. I thank you for this. It's been fascinating. Well, I'm, I'm very pleased to talk to you, as you know, yeah. always is a pleasure of mine. Thank you very much. We'll see you soon, somewhere. This episode of the Religion Unplugged podcast was hosted by Roberta Amundsen, edited and produced by Peter Freeby. Special thanks to Religion Unplugged managing editor Megan Clark. The Religion Unplugged podcast is a production of religionunplugged.com and is a part of the Media Project, a nonprofit dedicated to equipping journalists to cover religion. To read our award winning global religion news coverage or to find out more about Religion Unplugged or the Media Project, visit religionunplugged.com or follow us on Twitter at religionmag. <laughs>